Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy. Written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Pandemic is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash pandemic. Chapter 34 Cooper's Choice Shadows moved within the darkness of a wintry Chicago night. Cooper stumbled more than he ran, the girl in his arms a heaviness that threatened to pull him down. Just drop her. Just leave her. She's going to die anyway. They'd found the hospital to be a burned-out husk. When they'd come in for a closer look, something had found them, followed them. Cooper had carried Sophia away, but that something had picked up their trail. They fled north. The storm that threatened to kill them also provided some cover. Blowing snow helped them hide, masked their tracks and their sounds. His arms burned, screamed for oxygen. Sophia hung low, near his thighs, his left arm under her knees, his right around her back. He stopped only long enough to heft her high again, up to his chest. Then he continued up Michigan Avenue. He felt her fingers clutch his jacket, pulling it tighter across his chest. They're coming! I can hear them! Run faster, goddammit! Cooper could barely run at all, let alone faster. But he heard them, too. Heard their yells. Heard the roaring of some misshapen thing. He'd walked seven excruciating blocks, careful not to step on frozen body parts or broken glass, with the cold making his hands numb making his fingers tingle, with Sophia's weight dragging at him. And now he was only a block shy of Chicago Avenue. So he ignored the icy cold air that sucked deep into his heaving lungs, ignored the wind that made his face sting and burn. He moved faster. Up ahead, on the other side of Chicago Avenue, on both the left and the right, he saw Gothic buildings made of white stone. They looked like castles, especially the one on the left, with its octagonal tower that stretched thirty feet above. It was old. So old it had probably once towered over the surrounding buildings, back when tall meant four or five stories. Now it was just a lost footnote in the city's sprawling skyline. A little castle. A little fortress. Leave her and go hide. Go in the fortress. Block the door. You can hold them off. A tug at his collar. There! Sophia said. She pointed right. He saw the white Walgreens lettering on a black overhang. Below it, a revolving door of glass in a curved metal housing. The store sat at the base of a tall, tan building. This place wasn't burned out. Cooper didn't see any activity in front of the store or inside it. Maybe they could hide in there, killing two birds with one stone. He reached the door. It was still intact as were the glass windows on either side. Cooper carefully carried Sophia into the rotating door, careful not to stumble and drop her or smack her head against anything. He pushed. It turned with a deep swish. Three steps later, he stepped into a miracle. The lights were on. There was no wind. No heat, either, but without the wind chill, the place felt comparatively warm. The doors might be intact, but this place hadn't escaped the disaster. 
Ten feet in lay a headless body. Ice crystals formed a strangely beautiful pattern in the blood that had spilled from the man's neck and spread across the hard stone floor. Farther up the first aisle, between scattered bags of chips on one side and candy bars on the other, lay a second body, a woman. A look of disbelief had frozen on her face, maybe when her attackers had torn her right arm from her body, leaving the ripped sleeve of her blue jacket ragged and stiff with icy blood. That jacket remained buttoned under her chin, but open at the belly to show an empty cavity. Her internal organs were gone. My God! Coop, we gotta hide! He nodded. He hefted her higher, or tried to, but his arms wouldn't lift her. He was damn near done. Is the pharmacy in the back? Yeah, straight back. Cooper stepped over the bodies. All through the aisles, products had been ripped off the metal shelves and tossed onto the floor. It didn't look like much had been taken, though. More a store-trashing rampage rather than people scrambling for supplies. He stumbled on a box of candy, causing him to hit the shelves on his left, rocking them a little before they settled back down with a bang. Sophia's face wrinkled in pain. She'd taken the brunt of that blow. Sorry. She said nothing. Cooper kept moving. The fluorescent lights created the strange sensation that, aside from the bodies, of course, this place was still open for business, that the horrors outside had passed it by. He reached the pharmacy counter. Instead of looking for the door, he set Sophia on the counter, then hopped over. When his feet hit the floor, his exhausted legs gave out beneath him. He fell in a heap on the tile, banging the top of his head against the corner of a rack that held hundreds of little plastic pull-out bins. Ow! Cooper rolled to his back, hands pressed to his new injury. Graceful! Just let me catch my breath, then I'll start carrying you. He lifted his head to look at her. She'd pushed herself up on one elbow to stare down at him. Jeff's big coat made her seem so small, so feminine. She looked like death warmed over, face gaunt, black hair stringy and frozen in clumps, eyes half-lidded. But the left corner of her mouth curled into a shit-eating grin. Back flat on the floor, muscles burning, chest heaving and head stinging, Cooper started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, you're kind of a dick. She nodded weakly. I've been told that once or twice in my day. You mind getting me down from here? The brief moment of humor vanished. He fought his aching body and stood, gently lifted her from the counter, then set her down with her butt on the floor and her back against the inside of the counter. If anyone else came in the store... Cooper and Sophia wouldn't be seen unless the intruder came all the way to the rear. She reached up and caressed his face. Thanks, Cooper. I mean it. I'd be dead already if it weren't for you. He didn't know what to say, so he just nodded. He turned to the pull-out bins, started filing through the paper envelopes inside of them. Amoxicillin, maybe? You allergic to that? No idea. I guess we'll find out. He nodded. I guess we will. He dug through the envelopes. Hey, Cooper, you feel okay? 
You mean other than cold and exhaustion? Sure, I guess. Why? You got some kind of big blister on the back of your neck? He stopped flipping through the envelopes. He remembered the puffy, air-filled spot he'd seen on his shoulder. Don't worry. It's some kind of allergic reaction, I think. Hives or something. I haven't checked in a while, but I had them all over my body. He reached to his neck, felt what she was talking about, a puffy blister the size of a small marble. He pressed on it, heard a soft pop, saw a tiny mist of slowly floating white. Sophia's breath scattered it away. Gross, like a puffball. Cooper nodded. Yeah, that is kind of gross. She gave a half-hearted shrug. The least of my worries right now. Can you give me some water? I'm really thirsty. He noticed her breath crystallizing when she talked. The store gave them shelter, but he'd have to find a way to get heat, fast. He pulled out six of the plastic bins, slid them over to her. Look through those envelopes. We want amoxicillin, penicillin, shit like that. I'll get you that water. He stood, looked over the counter and out into the store, still empty. The pharmacy door was off to his left. It opened into the store's horizontal rear aisle. Most of the end cap displays were untouched. If he'd needed a new mop head or a four-for-three bargain on Tampax, it would have been his lucky day. He saw the refrigerators off to the left, still lit from within. He skipped the soft drinks, grabbed three bottles of water and an orange juice instead. One refrigerator contained sandwiches. He grabbed three. The lights are on. The refrigerators are working. In all the apocalyptic movies, the power was one of the first things to go. But not here in Chicago. With the city all but destroyed, wouldn't the psychos have hit a power plant? A transformer? Power lines, maybe. Apparently not. He looked up and down the line of refrigerators. There was enough food and water to last him and Sophia for several days. And if they ate through all that, the shelves were still filled with dry goods, canned tuna, crackers, enough to last them weeks. Long enough for the National Guard to arrive, to take control of the city. An idea struck him. He jogged through the aisles, careful not to step on anything, looking for small appliances. In aisle six, he found what he wanted, an electric heater. He juggled his loot as he walked back to the pharmacy door. If he could find a way to board up that front entrance, maybe board up whatever rear entrance the place had, they could stay here at least long enough for Sophia to get better. Just to the right of the pharmacy door, he found a waist-high wall of bandages and disinfectants. He walked into the pharmacy and set the food and water next to her. She held up a white paper bag, amoxicillin. Good girl. He opened a bottle for her and put it in her hands. He then opened the medicine, put two pills in her mouth. She lifted the water bottle, weakly but on her own, and took a drink. Her eyes closed in relief. Oh, my God. Thank you. I never thought water could taste so good. He grabbed the box with the heater, slid it in front of her. Unless you object, I'll just go ahead and plug this in for you. Her eyes widened. She shivered. Heat? Oh, Coop, if I wasn't so messed up, you'd totally get a blowjob. Yeah? Well, then get ready for your panties to evaporate. 
In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Cooper walked out, gathered an armful of peroxide, cotton balls, and gauze wrap. He walked back to her and set the pile of medical supplies next to the pile of food. She weakly lifted her water bottle, took another drink. I've had better dates, but not many. Turn the heater on before I change my mind about fucking the living hell out of you. Yeah, all your bleeding and shivering is such a turn-on. Cooper ripped open the heater box. He looked at the cash register on the counter, followed the power cord down to an outlet. He plugged in the heater, turned it as high as it would go, and pointed it at her. The heater's fan spun up. The air came out, warm at first, then it quickly turned hot. Sophia closed her eyes, leaned her head against the wall. Oh, hell yes. Thank you. Cooper gently opened Jeff's coat, and pulled up Sophia's shirt to look at the wound. The edges were gray, almost black. It looked horrible. He had no idea what to do next. He opened the bottle of peroxide, then a box of gauze strips. He poured peroxide onto the wound. Sophia hissed as the liquid fizzed into whiteness. He used the gauze to dab at the wound. He cleaned as gently as he could, wiping away blood both dry and wet. He used more gauze to cover the wound, then ran tape around her stomach and back. That's all I know to do. He smiled at her. She took a drink of water, smiled back. Swish! They froze. The front door had just turned. They heard footsteps. A man's voice called out, and it was all Cooper could do to not piss his pants for the second time. Where are you, motherfucker? Are you in there? The voice sounded confident, aggressive, the voice of a man in a bar challenging another man to a fight. Swish, swish, swish. More noises, feet moving, cellophane rattling, boxes falling. More than one man, maybe three, maybe four. Then the sound of a low, deep growl, too deep to be human. 
Sophia's hands snapped out. She grabbed Cooper's jacket, surprising him. He started to lean back, but she pulled him close. They're going to find us, she hissed. Her face was only inches from his, her skin red, the edges of her nose cracked and raw. They're going to find us. They're going to kill us. Be quiet, he whispered back, trying to push her away. She was losing it. She was making too much noise. He had to get her out of there. Had to get himself out of there. Sophia, let go of me. Out in the store, something hit hard against a shelf. The shelf must have tipped over because it crashed onto the floor with a sound like a broken gong. Cooper heard people moving around, yelling at each other. Sophia's puffy eyes filled with tears. She mouthed two words over and over. Shoot them. The noises in the store grew closer. Cooper grabbed Sophia's wrists, pulled at them, tried to tear her grip from his coat. He mouthed back to her, Stop it. She resisted for a second, even sneered at him. But he got his feet under him, then leaned away until her hands finally snapped free. Out in the store, another rack fell over, the sound punching through him, shaking his atoms, letting him know the cannibals were coming and this panicking woman was going to get him killed. He leaned in again, pressed his lips against her ear. Calm the fuck down. Just stay quiet. They'll leave. They'll... He felt Sophia's right hand on his hip, sliding around to his back. The gun. He leaned away hard, lost his balance. His ass hit the floor and he skidded into the heater, sending it clattering loudly into a wall. Sophia scrambled to her feet. She tore off Jeff's coat and reached for the door handle, her open bloody shirt flaring out behind her. Cooper pushed himself to his knees and dove. His fingertips closed on the shirt tail, then slipped free. He landed on his stomach as she opened the door and hobbled out into the store. He jumped to his feet, drew the pistol as he rushed after her, just in time to see Sophia trip over an overturned rack. Her face bounced hard off the metal shelves. Blood poured instantly from a long gash across her forehead. The blow staggered her, took away whatever adrenaline-fueled energy reserve she'd found. She flopped to her back, the tilted rack beneath her, the top of her head on the tile floor, her legs dangling off what used to be the rack's bottom. She looked at him with glazed eyes. But Cooper Mitchell didn't really see Sophia. What he saw were the six people standing there, three on either side of her, all staring at him, all hunched forward in clear aggression. The same people who had killed that woman in the street. Killed her and eaten her. Six people, and by the revolving door, mostly hidden by the racks of merchandise, that hulking form Cooper had seen, coming across the bridge, head still wrapped in the blue scarf. Five bullets. He couldn't get them all. He was going to die. They all held weapons, long knives, a fire axe, a machete, a tire iron. The woman in the blue snowsuit had a chrome-plated revolver in her left hand. Cooper was too afraid to move. His pistol was pointed down. He had to raise it, had to do something. The tall man in the red jacket took a small step forward, then stopped. The knife he'd used to kill the woman in the blouse caught the store's fluorescent lights. Clean. The blade is clean. 
He took the time to clean it. The man stared at Cooper. He lowered the knife. The others stood still. They weren't attacking. Cooper looked at them. They looked at him. But they also looked at the gun in his hand. Help me. The thin voice came from the floor, from Sophia. She weakly tried to roll to her stomach, but she didn't have the energy to even lift her legs. Blood coursed down her face, made a puddle on the floor. Six people, one thing, five bullets. And then another memory rushed up. Chavo, back in the hotel. Chavo, trying to sniff, asking if Cooper was a friend, asking Cooper why he didn't kill Sophia. Seven of them, five bullets. I don't want to die. Cooper's breath stopped. One thought overwhelmed him, one hope consuming every ounce of who he was. He aimed his gun at Sophia's face. She saw it. She didn't look dazed anymore. She lay inverted on top of a ruined rack of toothpaste and mouthwash. Her trembling lips formed the word, Please, but no sound came out. I want to live. Sophia, I'm so sorry. Cooper squeezed the trigger. The gun leaped in his hand, rising up so fast it almost flew away. He blinked rapidly. The muzzle flash a strobe of green, then red, then white, each time his eyes opened anew. His vision mostly cleared. Glowing afterimages danced at the edges of his sight. Sophia's left leg trembled sickeningly. Her left hand made clutching motions, half closing, then half opening. The bullet had punched a hole in the right cheekbone, spraying blood across the white tile floor behind her head. She blinked. Her eyes locked on him, narrowed with recognition and realization, then relaxed. Her head lolled back. She stopped trembling. The six people looked at him. You had to do it. You had to do it, you coward. You murderer. Say something, or they'll tear you apart. You know what you have to say, so say it. Say it now. Cooper looked at each of them in turn. Then he spoke. She wasn't a friend. The tall man nodded. The others smiled. Seven of them and now only four bullets. Cooper fought the urge to turn and run. He knew he wouldn't make it far. He didn't know where the back door was, or if there was even a back door at all. She almost got me, he said. The tall man looked down at Sophia, then back. Then why were you carrying her? Cooper held up the gun. She had this against my neck. She was hurt. I knew if I could keep her from shooting me long enough, I'd have a chance. She was going to come out of the office and shoot you guys, so I had to make my move. The bulky man by the front door, the thing that was human and not human at the same time, walked forward. Seven feet tall at least, in each hand it held some kind of long, white blade. Do not run. They will kill you if you run. It wore no shirt, leaving its pale yellow skin exposed. Yellow, the color of pus, of coagulated grease. 
whitish, black-rimmed rashes dotted its wide chest and bulging bare arms. Thick fingers flexed, thin blood oozing from cracks and splits where fingernails had fallen off. The white blades. The thing wasn't holding them at all. The blades protruded from behind each wrist, jutted out from torn yellow flesh. And they weren't blades. They were bones, jagged, pale, as long as its forearm, wicked scythes tapering to hard, sharp points. Its jeans had shredded at the thighs to make room for rippling muscle, turning the denim into dangling strips of fabric. Its shoulders were broader than any man's had a right to be, its neck easily thick enough to support the huge head. Long, thin patches of brown hair clung wetly to its scalp. A few more hung in front of its eyes. It reached up a thick hand, bone blade pointing to the ceiling, and its fingers pulled down the blue scarf. The face. Cooper's reality warped and cracked. Jeff! The monster smiled, showing teeth that had grown wider at the base, and also grown longer, like fangs with the points chipped off. The tall man in the red jacket looked at the thing that used to be Jeff. You know this guy? The monster nodded, a motion that made his massive shoulders dip up and down as if the thick neck couldn't quite bend all the way. The tall man seemed pleasantly surprised. Well, that's just fucking titties and beer, he said. He smiled at Cooper. You can join us. We're supposed to lie low. Stanton said to find the uninfected and get rid of them, but we're not supposed to burn or wreck anything. That name again. Could it be a coincidence? Stanton? Steve Stanton? The tall man nodded. Yeah, I actually got to meet him. The others haven't. He said got to meet him as if it was the highest honor anyone could ever hope for. It all fell into place. It all clicked. Stanton's machine had grabbed something from the bottom of Lake Michigan. The Detroit incident of five years earlier. The conspiracy theories that some alien ship had been shot down. Blackman on TV, talking about the medicine. Bringing the platypus aboard the Mary Ellen, and everyone feeling ill shortly afterward. Coming to Chicago. The city becoming a living hell. Jeff, getting sick. And now he was... that. Cooper didn't know what had happened, but he knew it had started when Steve Stanton walked into JBS Salvage. So many people dead. A city in ruins. Stanton's work had killed hundreds, thousands. But not Sophia. You killed her, didn't you? Cooper shook away the thought. He had to think, had to get out of this alive... Knowing Jeff had earned respect from the tall man. Maybe knowing Steve would bring even more. I brought Steve Stanton to Chicago five days ago. Cooper nodded at Jeff. He was with us. The tall man took a step back. He looked at the others in an unspoken message of disbelief. Then he looked at Jeff. You met Stanton? The tall man said. Why didn't you say so?
Jeff nodded again, almost bowed, a motion that made the muscles under his sickly yellow skin ripple and twitch. Opa, my friend. Jeff smiled his shark-toothed smile. Cooper couldn't bear to look at him anymore. He stared down at Sophia's body. You shot her, you coward, you murderer. Jeff is a monster. What the fuck, what the fuck? You killed her, and that's your fault. But it would have never happened if not for Stanton. Sophia would still be alive. Jeff would still be Jeff. Fear stabbed through him, made his breath rattle, filled his head with fuzz. He wanted to curl up, shut down, hide and pray these killers would just go away. But far more than that, he wanted to live. Cooper slid the pistol barrel into the front of his pants. He left the handle out so they could all see it. He had watched them tear a human being apart. If they realized he was lying, he'd suffer the same fate. He didn't want them to forget he had a gun. A gun with just four bullets. He forced himself to look at the freakish thing that had been his best friend. Cooper would save one bullet for Jeff. He wouldn't let his friends suffer this horror. The tall man brushed his hands together, as if he was dusting them off, done with the whole scenario. He knelt, patted down Sophia's corpse. He reached into her pocket, pulled out Cooper's cell phone. That's mine, Cooper said. Give it to me. The tall man stood. He shook his head. Only group leaders get cell phones, and I'm the group leader. He dropped the phone on the floor, then stomped down on it with his heel, smashing it. There, he said. He smiled at Cooper. You'll come with us. Where? To a hotel. It's real close. This is pretty goddamn kick-ass, if you ask me. It will be great to have someone who knows Mr. Stanton as part of our group. Cooper didn't know what to do. If he tried to go off on his own, would they know he was lying? Would they know he wasn't a friend? The tall man turned to Jeff. Bring the woman. Jeff or the thing that used to be Jeff, walked forward, shreds of his jeans swaying with each step. He reached out with his right hand, slid the jagged, pointed bone blade into Sophia's neck, drove it deep into her chest until his knuckles pressed against her shoulder. He lifted her as if she weighed nothing more than a bag of chips. Her arms and legs dangled limply. Her remaining blood slowly pattered down to the red-smeared floor. Cooper stared at the woman he'd just killed. Why are we bringing her? The tall man smiled. It's going to be a long night. Fresh is way better than frozen. Don't worry. She has enough meat on her bones that we'll all get to eat our fill. Come on. The tall man turned and walked toward the front door. Cooper followed. You have been listening to Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment.
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.